to WITCAST with Rico Cortez, your host, and uh, I'm really delighted to be here today. Um, we are going to have a quite interesting conversation. It's not the normal uh, Torah-based or biblical-based conversation. We talked to a really good friend of mine. I know her for what? I think 13 years now. And uh, yeah, yeah, it's been a while. So <clears throat> I'm going to have a special guest. Her name is Teresa Bates. Teresa is a very interesting person within the um, uh, Torah following movement. Now that she's a bad person, it's just that she has a very particular job that she does that we're going to discuss on this day today on Witcast, uh, WIT Witcast. So first of all, I want to thank you and I want to welcome you, Teresa, for being part of the uh, interview. So how have you been today? I've been blessed, Rico. It's uh, it's good being interviewed during the days of unleavened bread. I tell you, <coughs> Father's good. Amen. Amen. Okay, great. So, listen. You know, for those of you do that deal with mortality, it's interesting that I would never th- really consider having this type of um, you know m- message come around until I turn fifty. All of a sudden, when you all of a sudden when you turn fifty. <laughs> is your whole life goes like, oh, in 20 years, I could be dead. Oh, in 30 years, I could be dead. (laughs) All of a sudden, your mortality just comes about, you know? Yes. I never really thought about it until I turned 50, and I'm going like, well, from 30 to 50, everything took off so fast. 20 years, gone. And I'm thinking, when I was 30 or when I was 20, I thought, oh, 50, that's old. You know, and, and all of a sudden now, when you get into the 50s, and next week I'm going to be 52, by the way. And uh, I, I'm blessed because I, I take no medicine whatsoever for anything, praise Yah. And I'm just um, I'm trying to keep myself active and do the right thing. All right, so let's get into this very interesting topic that could be kind of a downer. But we cannot make it that way. We're just going to make it an instructive, instructional information that many of you may not even know about. It's about, uh, go ahead and say it. Chabrech Kadisha. It's called a Hebra Kadisha. Hebra Kadisha. So, now, for some of you who are dealing with mortality or you have family that uh, has just recently passed away, you know that it is quite a challenge finding somewhere to to get the funeral services and to get uh, all this stuff. And it's quite expensive, uh, intricate, and a lot of decision-making comes up when we wait for the last minute. Now, one of the things that I've encouraged Teresa, she called me a few years back, and uh, we've been friends for a while. Uh, She lives in Texas, and um, she had the desire to learn about the preparation of the bodies before going into rest. And I highly encouraged her because I witnessed, Teresa, I witnessed back in 2002, I think, I think it was 2002, 2001, the congregation that I was going to, uh, Beit Tehila in Brandon, Florida, uh, the rabbi there, he passed away. And they prepare the body the traditional way. And I, and I know you're going to tell us all about this. I just want to give an introduction to the audience that is listening. But, and we all witnessed, by the way, the family was there, the members of the congregation came in and they witnessed the preparation of the body. You know, in the beginning, Teresa, it was really strange because I never thought that I would actually understand the process as much as I did. Uh, because normally you don't see that, right? I mean, preparing a body and seeing it there, you just don't see that. That's not the normal behavior. Right. And right. what I noticed, though, and, and I'm sure you're going to tell us all about this because I want to ask you some questions, is after I left that environment, you know, it was actually healing. It was closure. You saw the way they prepared the body with so much, so much, you know, respect and honor. And when he was put on the, on the earth, it was like you still you still suffer the loss of a brother, but at the same token, you saw that he was making a transition, a rite of passage. So let's get into the topic. But before I go into it, I want to let, let all the all the listeners know that you can reach Teresa at peaceful passages for you at yahoo.com. Peaceful passages for the number four you a U, <laughs> at yahoo.com, or you can go to www.peacefulpassages.net, and there you can reach Teresa Bates, 
and you can talk to her about some future plans that you want to do in regards to preparations for the person before do it before you die because you can't do it after you die right <laughs> oh man i hate to you know try to be funny at this time but it's the only way we can do it. okay so tell us a little bit about what you do first of all what is uh Kadisha? tell us a little bit about that well, the Hever Kadisha <clears throat> means holy society, and um, our Jewish brothers and sisters have been practicing Hever Kadisha for hundreds or even thousands of years. Um, back in the um, back in the day, we used to take care of our loved ones at home all the time. Um, you go back even 200 years it seems like a long time for us but those that are now just over 50 it's not as long ago as we thought um when our loved one would pass away we would take care of them ourselves and it was only after world war ii that the funeral homes actually started becoming into um a normal because the funeral homes would they would come in and they would take care of the bodies and take care of all the those that had had died and from them we kind of just at this point we'll let the professionals handle it they'll they'll do it better and that concept right there really is a lot of the basis i think of why the father is taking us back to our original roots Oh, okay, gotcha. So what this is, is an organization or a group of people that focused on uh, the peaceful transition or the honorable transition from life to death. Is that you facilitating? Is that what you're doing? Yes. And what what happens is um, when, somebody, when somebody passes away, um, we that operate in a Hever Kadisha uh, and... One of, one of my goals is to teach congregations to do this for, the, for their loved ones or people within their territories. Because um, when, when you practice, a, practice with a Hever Kadisha, um, you're bringing honor and integrity to your community. And instead of just going, the professionals will handle it, it's, it's a different atmosphere because say that say that yeah forbid i pass away mm-hmm. i want i want people that i know that are torah pursuant have my best interest in heart that work with honor integrity modesty is really big with me but also they 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 wash me they they do a mikvah or baptism. It's not full water immersion, but there's a water pouring ceremony that is involved with us. And then they dress you in specific garments and anoint you with oil. Yes, I, I have witnessed that, by the way. Yeah, I've been being prepared to not just meet our maker, but if we are being trained to be kings and priests, we are dressed as the priesthood in linen garments or in all white so when we meet our maker we're anointed we're clean and we're purified gotcha gotcha yeah you know when i witnessed this i was quite impacted by by the respect and the honor shown to the body and 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 i think i'll tell you what though i've decided that when i'm when it's my time to go that I, I like to have that i want to have the traditional way done and you're right though preparing ourselves for the for the receiving our king okay uh, Teresa, let me let me let me go back a few steps i wanted to ask you a few questions in regards to you know what interests you about this because i know that you you love dancing you you you're a big dancer you like you love that you love to teach that right and uh, but what what provoked you to want to know more about that's not the normal job you wake up one day and say hey, you know what i want to prepare dead bodies before they go to before they go to sleep you know yeah, well, well, those that really know me know that I'm I'm on the quirky side. I'll just respectfully say. Um, well, we've um, known that for a while. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. We love you anyway because I'm a little quirky too, you know. <laughs> well, you know, we're all we're all brothers and sisters. Yeah, that's right. But, um, the look looking back <clears throat> in history, um, the dance. 
the father blessed me with the dance in 1995 because I've been walking Taurus since the 80s. Mm-hmm. So I've had I've had that foundation, and I had a wonderful teacher that always told me the scriptures from Genesis to Maps or Genesis to Revelation were written by Jewish people for Jewish people, mm-hmm. and having that as a foundation, and then coming into learning about the dance, then learning that it's about all of Israel, about God bringing in um, all of all of his family. So when, when the Father blessed me with the dance, what he was showing me is it was a step stool to what I'm doing now, to teach people to go from a physical atmosphere and praying and asking the father to, to bless us, to come into his presence and career wise, professional wise. Um, I've been a, a hospice caregiver ah, since the mid That's what it is. Okay. So that's, yep, that's well, the other connection. And what was interesting is looking back real quick in history, when my mother, before my mother and father were buried, mm-hmm. And the father really brought this head, we're married, excuse me. <laughs> Thank you, father. We're married. My mother was a dancer and my father drove a, a funeral hearse. You've been set up from the get-go. Uh, yes, I have. Isn't it amazing how we, we, how we actually do things our parents did and, and we don't really realize how connected we are to our parents and what they did in their lives, you know? Yeah, yeah, and when when he showed, when the father showed me that, I just it was just amazing because I'm seeing more of the depth. Yeah, so the- so well when I when I've done when I've done the caregiving, the father always had me do more of a hospice aspect. But uh, to answer your question a little bit more quickly and specifically, when when I'm working with a hospice, when somebody passes away, which is true in society. As soon as they pass away, we have the professionals or the funeral director come take care of the body. Then we show up for a funeral. And I was asking the Lord, what happens in that time frame where there's a piece missing with what we are learning? And right. I asked for him to show me that piece. And you that's know, what he did. You know, it's, I still remember the, the day you call me because you wanted some advice and you mentioned it and I thought wow that's a great idea because I, I was just recently thinking um, at the time when you called me I was thinking about there is a need for that and my wife and I last week we were talking she was in the car and she was telling me how the leader of our congregation finally decided hey we need to confront this situation and this issue that no one wants to talk about because he he recently have had some losses in his family and, uh, and he goes, and, and the, the leader is, is now saying, we need to plan, we need to have a plot of land, we need to try to find a way to prepare bodies and do it traditionally because we are part of the kingdom. So, you know, and I've always encouraged you on that because there is a need that is now being met within the Messianic Hebrew roots, whatever you want to call it. Now, within Judaism, they do that. They have it there. I mean, that's constant because they're pretty much, they pre-plan. Something you told me while I was in Texas that really resonated with me when we were meeting, is that you said that the Jewish people, they do plan for this. Tell us a little bit about that, because that, that really piqued my interest. Yeah. Well, the um, <clears throat> a lot of the, the Jewish congregations, um, what, I, what I had learned with the school that I went to, um, they, a lot of their congregations or shuls already have an operating Hebrew Kedisha because uh, they, they've been doing this, it's it's normal, because whether we want to admit it or not, death is a part of life, and they embrace it because it's a part of life, and our society teaches that um, they want to, to push it off and not think about it, because I'm not going to die, I'm going to live forever, but the Jewish communities don't do that. So they, they have protocols, they have systems already in place that if somebody is sick, they, their hever their is already kind of on notice that somebody is getting, getting close. And when somebody passes away, they already have who's going to be doing the Shmira, who's going to be doing the Tahara, 
what funeral home they're going to, what burial place they're going to. So their system is already set up. And that's what I'm trying to bring into our greater communities. Because- So you try, so you're we, trying to bring order. Yes, order out of <clears throat> chaos, order out of, order out of pain. Right. Because if we, if we don't look at our, our death, because there's 99.99999% chance we're all gonna die before Messiah returns because we have no idea when he's coming back. Right. So to, to prepare and be ready, um, having that system, it's called an advanced directive. Mm -hmm. And I can tell you a little bit more about that later. Sure. But the advanced directives is what happens to us right before and the moments after we die. Our living will and testament is only after death happens, and that usually isn't read for a week or two after death. Yeah, so, so that, have, so, yeah. you know, some things come into my mind when you're saying that. So, okay, so your job is try to bring honor to the body at the time of death. And, and this is, uh, and I, you know, I would, I would understand why it's, you get to see so many people in houses and um, and the caretaking that you do that they're there by themselves, they, they die alone, and then no one really comes around to really treat them with honor. As you were talking, it occurred to me, because I'm doing some research on this. You know, you heard the teaching I did in Texas, um, how we are now uh, part of the kingdom trying to be restored into the image of Adam. So you are preparing the body, really, to yes. be white and to be uh, set aside and... Uh, for the weddings of the Lamb when Messiah returns, we're going to be prepared, dressed in our garments, even though they disintegrate when you die. But that's not the point. The point is the symbolic mission behind behind it. So, right. Well, the the real quick to answer that point for people to begin to understand, when we're born into this world, we're washed by our parents or loved ones. When when we go to school, when we have birthdays, marriages, um, anniversaries, celebrations, we're always washed and clean. And when we die, we still have that desire to be washed and clean as best as we can. But the difference is, at this point, we can't do it. Yeah. And to have, have people in our community that love us, that want the same focus and vision that we are, um, that's what, that's where bringing, bringing the honor and saying, telling the father, thank you for giving us this body no. that we used for your glory while we're here on earth. That's right. You know, we're talking about water is that rite of passage of washing and cleansing. I was just reading in a book written by Morales, uh, who shall ascend, <clears throat> who shall ascend to the mount, the mountain of the Lord. It's an amazing book. And he was talking about how we beat the primordial waters, the chaotic waters to come into order from chaos. And in this case, this is what you were doing. You're preparing the body to go from the, this life's chaos. Death is chaos. You know, that's, we're, not, we're not born to die. You know? So that's not the way God intended it in the beginning. So we go from chaos and you're preparing the body to receive order again in the millennial reign or when the resurrection. So that's quite interesting. So t let's go to the next question. I have a few questions and I find this, believe it or not, I think this topic needs to be addressed. This topic needs to be uh, expanded on. And, you know, we, we need to educate the people. Would you agree with that? I mean, we need to educate people Absolutely. because... Absolutely. Because we... It, this is, you know, again, it's not just a messianic thing. It's, it's a society where we are not used and comfortable talking about death itself. Right. We want to pretend it doesn't happen yeah. um, and just let it go. Yeah, and you, you're right. And, you know, some things, one of the things that I've noticed every year, every year, um, someone I know dies, especially the more, the more you do this, the more people you know because of ministry, um, you always find yourself, oh man, that person died. Oh man, that person dies. And it's like, but I think there's a time that now we need to stand up and say, hey guys, let's get organized and let's treat the body with honor because that's what exactly the creator of us wanted. So right. I, I really appreciate you taking the initiative to do something that I probably would not do. 
because it's not really what I, I mean, anyways, it's, it's, it's a very, very interesting calling you have, and I'm glad that you're doing it, and I'm glad that you committed to it. We need more people like you. So what is uh, Shmira? Well, Shmira is, um, back in the time, uh, the, the, the first person that practiced Shmira is Hulda. And I want to say it was in First Kings, I have it written down somewhere, but it's not in front of me, where when, when King David, when he took his throne and all of, all of uh, Saul's children were dead, um, Jonathan had died, but all of the rest of the offspring of Saul's household had died. Um, the Holda, I believe it was her, what she did is she lost three sons that one day and she guarded the body. Got it. And she, she made sure at, at that time, since it was thousands of years ago, she made sure that nothing happened, no birds, no animals, nothing. And when King David heard what she did, because she wanted her sons to have an honorable death because they were hung, uh -huh. um, they, she wanted them to be buried. And David made the point of they need to have an honorable death. So he sent people down to bury him. So that's the, the first biblical act of performing Shmirah. Nice, nice. And Shmirah is, is the least intimidating um, aspect of what a Hebrew Kadisha does yeah. is because nowadays when somebody passes away, generally we're, we're still, we can do these services in our funeral home, but they're just kind of sitting watch. They're, they're sitting with the person um, from the time that they pass away until the time that they're buried. And in our protocols, we, the Jewish people want to do it within 24 hours, if at all possible. Mm -hmm. And so what, what we do is we have systems set up where we can set up systems where people take a two-hour shift, and in that two hours, they're just sitting at the funeral home because generally the person that died is going to be back in the refrigeration, so they're not going to see them, they're not going to touch them, because I understand people have a hard time touching dead bodies, and I understand that. Mm -hmm. So there's very few people that will do what I do, but... Um, with doing yeah. Shmira, you have that two-hour period of time where you can pray for the family, you can pray, um, you can read Psalms, yeah, um, or and just give God the honor and pray for the family that has just lost their loved one, and that's that's a really special yeah. time. Um, it's like an inter time. like an intercessor type thing at the time of. Um when you most need. That, that, that's quite interesting, even though you can't really do uh, that role the way you would in the ancient world, but you still do it as a remembrance and also a way to comfort those people and the family members that may be there. You know, it's interesting how, uh, as I'm reading your your literature that you handed me, it's like making a very, a very uh, smooth transition from one to the next. And you are right. escorting that person to every aspect not only them, but also the family. Uh, let's right. move on to Tahara, Tahara, Tahara. I'm having a tough time pronouncing anything today, so I'm telling you. That's okay. We love you too, Rico. Man, that's crazy. Between the Spanish accent and the English accent and, the, and my little Hebrew that I know accent, oh my Lord, I say. So this is the process of washing, cleansing of the physical body of the disease. Uh, let me ask you something about that. How, okay. how was that process for you? Um, you know, the loss of modesty and things like that. And normally, as a lady, you know, are you training men to do this for men? Or how is it working? Or because some people may object to this. I'm trying to get a little bit more information. Right. Um, generally, the men take care of the men. Uh -huh. The women take care of the women. But if there's no... If there's no men available, uh -huh. the women can take care of the men, but the men are not allowed to take care of the women. Well, that, yeah, so that will that will be our next right, question. When, right when you're training when you're training people to do this, um, say that I was to come out to your congregation and train people, I can do both men and women together because when you're training, there's nobody that's getting undressed. Nobody has to be in a bathing suit. Right. So I mean, 
you're still practicing all that modesty. Yes. So basically, you're kind of going through the motions. Um, but when but when you take care of the person themselves, um, whether in a home or at a funeral home, you still practice modesty. So only the parts of the body that are getting washed or that is what is uncovered. And one arm or a leg or the abdomen. Got it. And so so that way you're showing you're still showing honor and modesty to that to the person. Um and not just going, "Hey, you're gone, let's just wash in and keep keep everything exposed." We don't we don't do that. No, I, I know, I know. I, when I remember that they used to read Psalms, they used to read uh, verses of Scripture as the body's being prepared. It's just really amazing. Um, right. So, okay. So it was I, interesting, real, real quick. Yeah, when, go ahead. Uh, when I, when um, somebody fairly prominent in my community uh, a couple months ago passed away, and um, the week before I did a Tahara training with a group of ladies, and then that following Thursday I got the phone call that. A lady had passed away, and that same group of ladies that was just learning came and helped me. Wow! And the 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 daughter read the the Torah portion for that was her mother's Torah portion. Yeah. And what was amazing is as she was reading parts, what she was reading fell along the same lines of what we were doing. Wow. And that that was that was an amazing thing. That's cool. Um, but we generally will read Psalms so that way the Father's word is being proclaimed the whole yeah. time we're doing we're performing what we're doing. Oh man, I tell you, uh, I think it is time for the movement or for the for the body of believers to start to really take the efforts to start training. You know, I mean, we we have oils, we have dances, we have teachers, we have this, but. The reality is that the body of believers, we have failed to to look at the overall uh, lifestyle of the community, a Torah observing community or Torah following community. I think this is this is something that I pray that through at least the little that I can do is expose, get more exposure for you and for you to be able to train other people. Hopefully in every community, we may have someone who's able to do this. You know, this is important. One of the things that says here. Uh, that I really that resonated with me again because of what I'm studying. It says, it is a special garment. Talk about the, you dress them in special garments. Uh, it's like a burial shroud. It is a special yeah. garment that the dress, the yeah, deceased, I, go ahead. My, 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 my teacher, his name is David. Uh -huh. He he's, keeps training me on how to say, Tachrahim. Ah, oh, okay. Tachrahim, Tachrahim, yeah. Tachrahim. I still struggle with that word. <laughs> there's some words, you know, there's some words that if you don't, in Hebrew, that if you if you stand over too close to people, they may get a piece of you. <laughs> uh, but it says that you dress them in the white garments, right? And then it's like priestly garments. That is so true. By the way, can I, can I add something to that? You know, I like to share some of my thoughts. Um, Do you, you realize that what you're doing, you're preparing the body to become the uh, the last Adam again? You put them, you are putting them again in the image of God. You're preparing yeah. the body, even though they're dying, because the breath of life is taken from them. But we believe in a resurrection, so you right. are preparing them uh, to be as Adam was, because he was in the presence of God. And in the presence of God, you know, there, it, there was white. It was clear. It was light. And we, we know this, by the way, because of Moses, when he came down from the mountain, that he partially was in the presence of God, that his face was lit. But it's kind of interesting that what you do in the process here goes right along what I've been researching. And I love, you know, I, let me tell you something. Um, this is not a very easy topic to talk about. No, it's not. But uh, it is something that we need to address because the reality is that, you know, in my lifetime, the older I get, You know, people in my life will pass away, whether they're friends or whether it will be family members or whatever it is. That's the reality of life. And I think that if we don't have an option, I talk about honor and shame all the time. You know that. And right. I think this is something that is imperative that we learn because we also have to honorably transition the body of the believer into the next life. And right. you, you become very important, you know. 
Right. Well, when, one of the things that I'm learning is <clears throat> when when somebody passes away and they know that their loved one is cared for by the community, by other loved ones, and they know it's done with honor, integrity, modesty, and with the utmost of love, but, but and also as or as well as preparing them to meet their king. I mean, we're cleaning fingernails, taking nail polish off if the family wants, washing the hair. We're not doing makeup. We don't embalm. That's not going to be done. I was going to ask um, you next, by the way. I'm yeah, glad you mentioned that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah no, no embalming. Um, everything, because sometimes death is peaceful. Like somebody is old and they pass away. Sometimes it's not. We have car accidents, um, yeah. accidents you know, around all terrorism things. So sometimes it's not peaceful. Right. So when we do, when we do the Tahara, we do the best we can, but it, it helps. I'm, I'm seeing it helps bring that closure because they know people aren't supposed to know who took care of their loved one, but they just know that they were safe and very well cared for by their community. And that helps their spirit, helps themselves to be at rest because they know um, they're cared for. And also when you have a community like this taken care of, and that's one of the things that I've been intrigued because the schooling I went to took me about two and a half years to go through. And they know I'm a believer, but I was wise enough to keep my opinions for the most part to myself. And I was able to watch and observe what the Jewish people do because the Jewish people, if there's a death in the community, they don't care if they're Orthodox, reform, conservative. Um, they don't care if you're Jewish, I'll take care of you. Right. And that's the part where I'm wanting us to get to is if you're a believer or even if you're not, if you want this done, I'll take care of you. And what happens is each person that is listening to this, if you look back in your life and you know somebody is there at your hardest, hardest moment that you've ever walked through and they held your hand and walked with you through it and still loved you at the end of it and still lifted you up afterwards, that person you know has got your back. That person you know is going to be with yeah. you in thick or thin. Love, yeah. Communities. Absolutely, that, it makes uh, it would it yeah. will be it will be a great. Of course, I mean it will raise up your spirit. It will help you. Um, it does amazing things when you know someone's there at the most difficult time. Uh, I, let me tell you, what kind of response have you had so far within the um, uh, believers following uh, Torah who hear about you? What what is their initial response when they hear you? Because it's unusual job, you know I mean? And what do you do for a living? Well, I help the body prepare them when they die. I mean, that's not something that people are used to hearing on the everyday basis. Well, well it, definitely it's how you say what you say. It's a conversation um, piece. Yeah, well, with you know, when people say, well, what do you do? Um, I am learning to how to honorably help people to transition from life to death. That's pretty good. And when I like when, that, I really like they, that. Yeah. Then they look and they're like, "Well, what do you mean?" Right. Because you know, it, it's different than saying, "Oh, I washed." You know, I'm like a funeral director. I wash dead people. That does not sound as well. No, but, not at all. But it, it's when when talking with people in the community. Um. You know, when, when you're approaching them and say, you know, say, I'm learning how to honorably take care of and help people and transition from life to death. Um, the response, actually, a lot of a lot of people are going, wow, I never thought about that before. Right. I never looked at that perspective because people are so much they want to get it over. They want to get it done with. That's why cremation is so big at this point. Um, they just want it fast and over and done. But when you and cheap, when, right? But when you when you help them to see in Scripture, the Father doesn't want us to tattoo, pierce, do anything with our physical body. So when and when I explain, I want to have that. I I want to teach that same honor 
after death because it's still your body. Yeah, yeah, I got you. Uh, yeah, right, the, show honor. And sure. the congregations, the people I'm talking to, they're they're wanting more information. Well, I mean, come out learning this. well, the reality is that we, you know, young people don't care about this stuff. You know, they don't really think about it. I never did uh, until either a friend of your dies or something like that. And then when you're young, you freak out. Just what's happening right. over there in Florida where those kids got, you know, the terrorists went into the school and now the kids are freaking out and they don't know what to do because they're not prepared right. for that. You've had a really, really bad funeral experience. And right. you go, oh my gosh. There's been pastors that I've talked with that they, they tell me they've pastored people. Um, they've been in ministry, you know, like a pastor of a church for 20 plus years and they dread funerals because nowadays our funeral service you know they have they have the person you know um from the time of death into the funeral you're looking at three four five six days and they watch the the people have to suffer through standing there and hearing all the comments of people going oh i'm sorry for your loss how are you doing are you okay and it's yeah, like how are you supposed like... to answer them and with doing a fast service, a 24-hour turnaround, what happens is that that person is given the honor to be put in the ground and be put at rest because um, you're, you're showing respect to that person that died. And then a couple weeks later, letting the family have that time of Shiva into time of heal, then they can have the memorial service. Right. And give honor to the person that died. Yeah, I think it's just, yeah, give them closure. I, I got you. Shiva, you know, they're in the traditional Sephardic homes uh, for the Anuzim, the ones forced to convert. I, you know, they have people doing Shiva, which is the, the term used for to sit for who are mourning and the loss of parent, you know, child or whatever, family member. Uh, uh -huh. They used to, they're traditional things that Jewish people do, like cover the mirrors and all that stuff. And But Shiva... Shiva is also important. I think it's a seven-day period, right? Yeah, it's it's seven days. And um, again, it's one of the things that we haven't done as a community because when somebody passes away, we want to quickly get them back into the world. I know you just lost your loved one, but, you know, let's, let's get back into normal life. I got to go to work. Yeah. I got to do this. I got you. Right. And for when, when Shiva is honored, they have... They, they are allowed and have permission in their home. They usually do the Shiva uh, in, if it's, if the person um, was a was a spouse, the home that they died in is yeah. generally the, or the one that they lived in is generally where the Shiva home is at. But the people that are there, the, the spouse or the, um, the children, they pretty much they're not confined to the house but yeah. they stay there in the house for seven days i got the community the community helps them with their food the community helps make sure everything is okay so but people have that seven days to mourn the loss of their loved one they're not told to forget about them they're not yeah. told to go on with life and when they do that and they're actually able to let all that emotion go, mourn the loss of their loved one, they have a better footing because the enemy doesn't doesn't clamp down, doesn't pull them back in yeah. life. Yeah. They yeah. have the ability to, to sit there and you know and the people that have that are doing the Shiva themselves, the, the mourners, they kind of set the tone. So if they want to be quiet, if you go into a Shiva home, you just you sit with the with the mourner you don't start the conversation you let the mourner start the conversation with you yeah because a lot of times you don't want the conversation you just want to know that somebody is sitting there with you you know you know that that that's really amazing it becomes a community environment and a closure for the family i think you know that's very wise i find it really interesting it's seven days i already known that it was seven days but some some people don't understand the the meaning of the seven day in the Bible. Seven days, uh, on the seventh day, it was a, the enthronement ceremonies of kings, dedications of temples, dedications of priesthood, dedications. So 
you see the same patterns of sevens, you know, 40 weeks for the birth of a baby. Everything's in sevens, you know. Um, I think it's important that we learn how to do this. Let me ask you something. So, do you are you of the opinion, I know your answer, but I want the audience to, to come along with me on this one. And it's a little bit of a, you know, serious tone we're dealing with. Clearly, we're trying to share the availability of the movement learning how to transition from one life to the next mm -hmm. did you would you agree with me that unfortunately the focus of the movement right now due to the lack of understanding of this uh, we work so hard to try to live a perfect life you know in the Torah you know you know how everybody does it we want to know the name perfectly. We want to know this perfectly. We want to know this perfectly. But then when someone dies, we just basically do whatever they, the world does. So this is an important thing that we need to learn, how to also make the transition uh, in an honorable way from, from this life to the next one. So what will be the steps you will take in order to educate people? And uh, what plans do you have in that process? Well, the plans that I have, um, there's my my website is giving basic information, but I'm expounding on it uh -huh. um, in my, my my time. Okay. But when but with but with the first thing is finding out what you what you want at the time at the time of of death, because we even the even in our fifties, we have no idea that the, that our time. You know, we can get in a car accident or a plane crash or a boat crash or whatever, and hey, our time is then. What are we going to do? Yeah. And when you have these systems in place, um, again, they're called advanced directives. Yeah, I mean, yeah, um, death doesn't send you an email, you know? Excuse me? Death doesn't send you an email. No, it doesn't. <laughs> you know? Hey, this is coming up tomorrow. Right. You know? <laughs> But when you have when you have these systems in place, because um, my my children all know what I want, but if I didn't have it in writing, it doesn't it doesn't do any good. So write a will. Or much good because um, if I were to get in a car accident, I don't want on life support for longer than two weeks. Um, I want buried at a particular place, but if I didn't have that in writing and I get in a car accident, I have nobody that's gonna speak for me. So our our doctor system, our healthcare system, will keep me on life support up to six to eight months. Wow. They'll, put, they'll do everything they can to keep me alive and keep sucking all that money in and all of that financial burden is on my children. Uh, so so when you uh, so, do, so when have you a plan. The advanced directives, hold on, hold on real quick. You have all that stuff in writing. It's like a love gift to my loved ones, to my children, because if, and I put in my advanced directive, if I'm on okay. life support and there's no hope for me longer than two weeks, I want the plug pulled. I want to be put at rest. That responsibility is not on my children or on my spouse. I put it on myself. So that way they don't have to feel guilty because I chose to do it yeah so what i was going to tell you was is to have an advanced plan or to have a plan per se that's when i and that's what you're trying to tell me about an advanced directive yes got it yes it, and it's all and it's all written down there's different states have a little bit different wording but if you get it put in writing and you send it to the people that you need that you you love um, but have these have these conversations with your children, your loved ones, um, and then put these things in writing. Give it to your doctor. Let your doctor know. If the doctor's not on board with what you're doing, find another doctor. Gotcha. Um, yeah, that's... But the more, more that you can uh, um, have these things written before an event happens, the more peaceful and the more... Yeah. Um, the, the mourners have to be able to let that issue go. I'll tell you what, I want a party when I die. <laughs> we'll remember that. We got, uh, we got it recorded. Yeah, no, seriously. I, I've always said, I, 
I mean, yeah, I know people are going to say, oh, well, we're going to miss Rico, whatever. Look, the reality is that when I die, the Lord is going to raise another teacher a lot better than me. And, and right. it, you know, it, it, they're just going to miss the person maybe if they like me or dislike me. Hopefully, I was a good guy that people will remember the good things. And I want people to celebrate my life, you know. But I, it will be great. If they celebrate your life, you going in a peaceful transition, I think it's great. So, so having a will or a advanced directive, having a plan clearly before the events happen. So, right. okay. So I, what I want to do, I want to move on. We got like 15 minutes and I'm finding, uh, let me tell you, Teresa, I'm glad that we did this and I told you we would, I think it's important. Maybe we can address this again and maybe have another program in the future, um, explaining more the procedure that you go through in detail right now i want to just introduce you to the audience and i wanted i wanted them to get to know who you are how to get in touch with you let's talk a little bit about green versus home burials uh, i'm sorry home funerals versus green burials and this is something that we're dealing with because right now a lot of the people within the movement they are uh choosing cremation uh versus a burial and you know, the way the cost of living, I think this is, you mentioned something earlier that I think is important we got to go revisit here. If the community, the Jewish community makes it a, a whole community, they help each other out. And right. I think that as believers, we know the cost of burials are very high. But if the body of believers would, would, would help that family out, the cost will be met quite rapidly. And, and I think how much cheaper would a green burial or a the what you're trying to convey here to us compared to the regular okay when um when you have a working hover kadisha one of the things that i found was very intriguing is a lot of the funeral homes that are in the different cities have they they know about hover kadisha so um what you can do is you can as a community say say that I'm leading a community, which I am, and I'm working with a specific funeral home here in town. And I have an agreement, not a contract, an agreement with the funeral home. Say so-and-so uh, died, okay, um, Teresa Bates has a, um, a an agreement here at the funeral home. That means you have it all kind of set up in advance. Um, you have use of the, the funeral director will pick somebody up from the hospital, will take them there, put them on refrigeration. You can go in, do the tahara. They will allow you to practice the shmirah there, which means you have access to the funeral home for the 24 hours from the time the person comes in to the time they're removed. Uh, the funeral director will take them to the uh, cemetery of choice. Um, and including casket generally is less than 5000 Wow, that's because, a lot cheaper than the going price right now. Oh yeah, because you have, you have more of a, a kosher casket. The casket is made, you can have it made out of pine or oak, but it's no concrete. Well, caskets are made of concrete. Um, they have no metal. They're completely biodegradable. Mm-hmm. Um, the expensive caskets get five, six, ten, twenty thousand dollars. Yeah. Uh, we don't, we don't do that. But that's an agreement. I can teach people on how to set up with a funeral home. So the myself, if I were to, if uh, a loved one died, I can kind of go in and and some funeral homes know about this, some don't. But if you set up an agreement with them. Uh, then the funeral home is kind of bound by that agreement and they can't talk you into buying a more expensive casket. Yeah. So that's another aspect of the community coming together. Um, so you can, you can do that. And with home funerals, um, which is a little bit of a different aspect, um, you're, you're not using a funeral home or a funeral director. You're doing everything for that person in your home, which is completely legal, by the way. Um, there's just different protocols to do. If you're gonna bury them on your property, you need to let the, um, the city or the county know. You have to have so much property. There's specifics around it, but, right. but it can't be done. Um, or you can pay a funeral director, or you can get a, 
a permit to transport a body from your house to where the cemetery is at. Yeah. And they're they're only about a hundred dollars, less than two hundred dollars to get that to get that permit, but it's really not a big deal. But they want to know you have to get the permit so that way you're not transporting a body and if something were to happen, then it's just a police investigation and it's a mess. I uh, gotcha. You know, uh, as I travel all around the world, they, it's interesting when I travel and there's always a Jewish community that they find in that community. Right. They always have their own burial places. That's how you identify, identify Jewish communities all over the world. I remember going to Jamaica and they had a, uh, a burial places only for the Jewish people near my house. They have a, I think it's like four, uh, three acres that is de dedicated for the Muslims. And, you know, I think that it's time for the believers in Yeshua to consider that we are in this world, but we are not of this world. We need to prepare, have a plan, have an advanced directive, have a will, have someone like you, Teresa, um, uh, available to help us make that transition from this life to the next. Okay. So, if somebody were to listen to this and they say, okay, this is all great. Uh, I get it. I understand it. Uh, what do I do? So what courses or do you provide courses for people and how would you go about it? Tell us about that because we need to learn how to do it, but we don't have the tools. We need to establish and I'm willing to with whatever I can. I think this is important to help you try to set up and let people know about you. So that way, I think it's time for the body of Messiah to to minister to each other in this manner that if we're going to follow the Torah and we're going to believe in the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, I think we have to unite with our Jewish brothers in the method in which they honor the body in the time of death. Would you agree with that? Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, it's interesting you bring up the Muslim because a lot of the Muslim and Jewish <coughs> practice comes around um, taking care of the dead. Uh, they're very similar. Mm -hmm. Very, very, very similar. Um, there's a little bit more honor and uh, modesty from what I've seen uh, with with our Jewish brothers and sisters. Um, but uh, Muslims have have their their blessed protocols as well. Right. So so what? Um, there's a couple different ways to do this. Um, I can I can come out to congregations um, to to teach a large group. Yeah, I did this a couple of weeks ago up in Dallas, um, taught about 15 people. And when I come in, I can teach the whole group all at the same time. And it usually takes about four different meetings because first you're, you're setting it up, working with the, with the funeral homes or getting cemeteries and stuff set up. The second time you're going in, um, you're teaching about how to set up all the protocols for the, the Shmira working with the funeral home, more specifics, having the hands-on Tahara training so I can have people, okay, you do this, this is the, these are what you need to have on have on hand, and then um, about Shmira. Because it's, it's interesting because when you, the times that I've done this, I'll set up a class for three hours. And then at the beginning, there's only a couple questions, but at the end, um, there's question after question after question that ends up being like a five or six hour Got session it. because so much there's so much information. Oh, that's great! But it, yeah, it's just te teaching. It's 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 if a community is wanting to do this, it's easiest to fly to fly me out, or there are schools uh, a school online that we can do. But that's what I'm also is setting up is to start having once a month classes um, with what I'm teaching to bring Messiah into it. So right. there's there's a lot going on behind the scenes. That's good. So so you were trained by Jewish people yourself? Yes. Okay, gotcha. So <clears throat> what would be the cost for something like this? Let's say that I bring you to Florida, clearly the airfare, uh, the lodging and the food, but the, for the class, uh, what kind of cost are we talking about? Uh, generally, it's about fifty dollars a person. Okay, and that's um, like three hours, or um, it ends up being like about four hours for for the class. Um, I'll give price breaks if we want to do it for the whole entire weekend, uh -huh. like a little bit before Shabbat, then have Sabbath off because I want to definitely honor that. Yeah. But depending on the time of year, 
Um, we can talk a little bit for uh, Saturday night, but have an all day session on Sunday. So that way I can get you as much information as we can on the weekend. Um, and then let you take and run with it and and um, do that. It only generally takes about three times to really establish uh, a community. Yeah, we gotta set you, we gotta set up a way that you can have, you know, students everywhere and they can bring you in and and try to teach the body somehow, some way. Uh, to uh, in th in this sense, Teresa, in this sense, we need we need order. We need to have some kind of structure because there isn't really any. There's nothing available that I know of, at least amongst right. uh, Messianic Hebrew roots people that I know of. I'm sure there is somewhere locally that does it, but you know, I never heard of it until I saw the body being prepared in 2001. After that, I haven't heard, and I remember when you called me uh, about that. I highly encourage you. I thought it was a great idea. For you to pursue that, and I, and I kept my word that I would help you try to promote this as much as I want to do that. I think it's important. Yeah. Uh, well, I, I appreciate that, but there's but there's also there's been people that I've met, um, almost mo more men than women, which I found was intriguing, that have done taharas. But really? the consensus was we were just trying to pinch hit and do what we can because there's no teaching out there, so. That's why I just look at the timing and say, Father, you created me to do this because I want to teach others to do this. So because I can't. Yeah. So let own. me so let me ask you a question. Do you think it would also help you? I don't know. I'm just asking if I would ever like do a teaching and then put it out there and say, Hey guys, how we consider this? How we consider doing this? And in a simple, not not that I'll be teaching anybody how to do it, but like to make awareness of. Hey, have you considered about, that's what we're trying to do with the radio here, with our WITCAST, is trying to uh -huh. bring awareness of people of the need that we have in the body to do this. I, I think it's important. So for so we have a problem right now going around because of the lack of availability and the, because we are in the dispersion. And mm -hmm. the, the lack of availability to what we offer uh, and a cheaper option. Because right now it's a lot of money to bury somebody. And that's the reality. Not many people have that money. And right, but if you said your advanced directives, a lot of the the cemeteries will allow you to make payments over the years. Yeah, uh, I gotcha. You know, my father-in-law did that. My father and that my father-in-law was a very um, humble man. Uh, he didn't have a lot of means in the sense of monetary, but he was very wise. He went to the funeral home, and without telling anybody, he bought the plans that they had in Puerto Rico for burials for him and his wife. And he paid for it. It took him like 10 years, but he paid for it every month. Right. And when, we, when we do things in advance, we tend to get discount instead of having to pay an emergency fund to do it. You know, that is a good point you bring in there because sometimes we wait until the last minute because we're not yeah. counting on dying today. You know? Right. So, which by the way... Know. Which, by the way, now I need to, my wife been telling me, we need to start making plans for, we don't want to be a burden on our children, you know? Right. Especially Amen. when my father passed away, he had a uh, insurance. So we were able to cover the cost. But in the beginning, I had to pay myself and then wait right. for the insurance to kick in. And my mom, she's a widow. She didn't have a job. Can you imagine the stress? Now her husband passed away after 40 years, and now she has to pay a bill that she has no money for? Yeah. I mean, well, that's kind of... When we put this kind of information into our will, that is that kind of works. But for the initial cost, for the burial, for the cemetery and stuff, the that's why the advanced directive is so important, because it, ta it can help take care of those initial costs instead of worrying about it... Um, six months down the line because the will is not going to be enforced until about three months after the beginning of it after they after somebody passes away yeah oh wow <laughs> you know Teresa, i'm really enjoying this uh this topic uh, it's kind of a downer but the reality is we have to talk about what we're going to do with the body because we are believers in messiah and we follow the god of israel and i think i want to thank you because you are providing uh you bring something to the table that is important. I have my role. 
I'm trying to do my role, my role to the best of my ability. But you also have a very important role here. We need to empower and we need to facilitate. Have you been approached by any big conferences um, as to do courses in there to try to approach more people? Uh, no, not yet. Well, we, I'm, I'm going to try to so recommend you. Huh? I, I, I said it's, it's just a hard topic. It's not as it's not as fun, as much fun learning about death as it is about the bride, the Torah, um, um, first century issues, how to eat. Yeah, that's true. That is true. But when you die, then you don't you don't care to learn about anything else. You want to make sure you're going to be prepared for welcoming of the king. So we right. also have to make this an important topic for the future because. The reality is uh, many of us are getting older and we are we're going to suffer loss every year. Um, right. I, I know at least people. I have some dear people, friends that passed away the last three months. And uh, not only do we have to deal with the passing, but when that person rests, now we have to deal with the person, uh, the family member that we want to minister to, that they are also our friends and families. And we need to be we need to be mindful of the right. loss and we need to be mindful of their mourning so we need to help as a body not only in the time of sickness in the time when they passed away but then dealing with the family members after the fa uh, the person dies because we don't really consider that oh they die they deal with it they'll get over it well we are a community i think we need to try right. to do our best to be there for that person and sometimes you need to know the person the family member that you can't give them a little space you know this is my challenge for me, I have a tough time, Teresa, because, you know, I, I'm, I'm close with a lot of the people and and then the family member dies. And how do you approach it? You know, what I mean, it's like, am I going to just be all over you all the time and try to cater to everything you need when sometimes you just want space? You know, what I mean, I, I don't know how to deal with that aspect because right. I don't think about that. You know? Right. Right. Well, well. So, again, with um, when somebody is dying, um, that time is about them. Until the time that they're buried, we we are there, kind of serving the person that died. Yes. As soon as the death happens, we serve the mourners. We serve the family. And again, a lot of times people want to back away because we have a hard time dealing with death. Um, they don't want, people don't want to, they're afraid that it's going to bring up issues if you talk about the loved one. But again, I'll go back with what I said earlier. Um, if, if somewhere, if someone were to pass away, uh, Rico, if it was, y'all forbid one of my children, if you were to come and just sit with me, that would, that would be a physical symbol of. I'm here with you. Yeah. You don't have to say anything. I'm here with you. If you need anything, hey, let me know. I'll get it done. Yeah. But not, I just want to sit and be with you in this time because that, that speaks more volumes than going, how are you doing? Well, I just lost my loved one. How do you think? I'm, I mean, it's, yeah. it's, it's a question that we want to ask people um, because we don't know what to say. And a yeah. lot of times, the best thing to say is, I am so sorry for your loss. That's yeah. That's the best line to, to use. Uh, yeah, I agree. I agree with that. Well, Teresa, we kind of run out of time, but allow me to uh, to make an appeal to the people out there, to the body of Messiah, who are listening to the Witcast this week. Um, normally, we want to have an upbeat and on things, but I think this is very educational, very important topic that we need to topic and we, to, we need to cover and we need to uh, readdress and come back again. But all the leaders of congregations, the reality is, guys, that we need to confront this. You, as a leader, uh, you are confronting the fact that at one point or another, one of your members in the congregation is no longer going to be with us. Uh, how are we going to honor that body as they pass, and how are we going to teach the body of Messiah to be together as one? in one of the most important transitions of our lives as a community. So if you want to know more, I highly recommend you, uh, uh, you know, contact Teresa. Teresa, give us all the information uh, where they want to contact you. And I, re I pray that people will come and uh, take advantage of this important uh, transition that you're helping people and their families. So go ahead and tell us where we can reach you at and, and the phone number if you want to give it. 
Okay. Um, my website is peacefulpassages.net. Uh, it has a lot of the information that Rico and I talked about, and I'm always putting new things on there. My email address is peacefulpassagesforyou at yahoo.com, and my phone number is 512-639-6707. I live in the Austin, Texas area. So, you, and, so you're able to and, catch a plane go anywhere because you're in Texas. You're in the middle of the United States. That's perfect. Yep. Yep, it's pretty easy to get to Austin and to go wherever the Father sends me. Well, Teresa, I want to thank you for spending your time this morning uh, educating me in this in this topic. I I am so happy and I'm very proud of you, by the way. I remember when you called me, you were trying to pursue this, and I'm so glad that you did. I'm learning a lot from you, and I'm hoping that the body of Messiah would also embrace this as equally as they would learning about other topics because it is an important topic and it's also an important transition and we need to learn. And I want to thank you for giving me the opportunity to interview you. And let's, let's, let's try to do this again. I think we need to be reminder, reminders. We need reminders of, of the importance of transition from one life to the next the honorable way. So I want to thank you for spending your time this morning, and I pray that it's a blessing to you as you are to us, and um, and I'm going to do my best to help you promote this. I think this is important. This is the next thing that we need to get ready, and so it, it, let me ask you the last questions before I go, because I have so many. Oh, my God. I, I'm so, like you said, I didn't think I was going to enjoy, actually, this topic so much in the sense of information. You follow? I mean... Yes. Yes. Once you start talking about it, it's like, oh my gosh, it opens doors. Uh, it, death is not something to be feared. It's something to be honored. Right. Oh, that's a good one. Death is not something to be feared, but to be honored. With that, I'll leave you guys. Now, please, if you want to go and learn more about Peaceful Passages, contact Teresa Bates. I highly recommend this lady. She's a very honorable person. She's always been faithful, and now she's going to help the body, uh, the body of Messiah teach us how to make transition from this life to the next one in a peaceful way. May the Lord bless you and keep you guys. Thank you so much for joining with Cass. And I pray that every segments that we do are edifying to you in any which way possible, spiritually, physically, and emotionally. Shalom, shalom guys. And we'll talk to you guys soon. Bye-bye.